Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Evo Hanan. Evo is an educator, education leader, freelance designer, and speaker. He is passionate about promoting confidence in students through innovation and agency. You'll find him at hashtag agents for agency and hashtag crazy PLN. Follow Evo on Twitter at Evo underscore Hanan, on Instagram at project.decade, and on his blog at evohanan.com. Evo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show, buddy. It is a pleasure, Evo. This is one of those international calls that I get to really enjoy. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education? It's a little bit different. Describe what life looks like for you on a daily basis. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm now 19 years as a teacher, a teacher of design. Um, I taught in the UK for six years and since 2007 have been in Dubai. I am in my third school in Dubai. I'm currently teaching um, in Dwight School, Dubai. Uh, I teach design at NYP level. I lead innovation and entrepreneurship in the school as well. And then I do quite a few passion projects that relate to education and motivating people outside of my daily life as well. I can't wait to get further into some of those passion projects that you mentioned, Evo. I particularly want to know more about your Instagram handle, Project Decade. But first of all, let's get into story time. Why don't you share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you've faced somewhere in your teaching or education career and describe how you overcame it? Sure thing. Um, I'm going to actually share with you something that happened only 48 hours ago. Um, And it was probably the most difficult professional decision I've had to make. Um, So I launched the agency, um, this student agency project on the 6th of November with a group of lead agents who are all educators, um, inspiring educators from the States. And this idea through a series of chats and 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 so on on Twitter grew into um the the popularity where we 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 could host professional development sessions, live sessions, and they were organized in New York, Houston, and San Francisco. Uh, that they were meant to actually come up at the end of March and at the beginning of April. Um and then there were a few other things that were in the pipeline throughout the year, all to do with agency um, and education, Sydney with Microsoft, um, Tokyo, Teralgon, and so on and so forth. Some of which are still going, but many of them have had to be cancelled. And that is four and a half months 
of working on them every night, connecting with hundreds of educators, uh, really looking forward to helping teachers, inspiring teachers, learning from teachers face-to-face. And uh, yeah, I've had to counsel them. And it, it, and it was really tough. It's, it's, it's taken me the last couple of days just to recover from it, to be honest. So yeah. Such a difficult decision, Evo, and obviously the right one to make, but nevertheless devastating. My heart goes out to you, and I know a lot of educators out there feel the same way that you do right now. Let's talk about next steps. I mean, that's always the second part of my question. How do you move past this? I know it's still raw, it's still fresh, but what do you think is your next move, and and where do we go from here? Um, uh, Well, I mean, first of all, Tim, I would like to say health and safety comes first. Um, But um, I've built up a little bit of resilience over the past um, decade or so with some of the crazy ideas that I come up with and when things kind of, you know, when there's uh, roadblocks, ways to get around them. Um, And my attitude is very much uh, go big or go home. And I generally don't ever go home. So I'm working on something. Actually, I've been working on it today. I've been connecting with um, a few companies and a few uh, education influencers. Um, And it's, it's, yeah, if I can pull it off, this will be the thing that people remember me for. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's it's taking my whole level of craziness to a a, a new a new level. So yeah, let's see if I can uh, let's see if I can pull it off. Watch this space. I will be watching this space and of course cheering you on, Evo, as you sort of reinvent how this thing unfolds. More power to you. Before we move on, let's talk a little bit more about Agents for Agency. What is it really about? What's at the core of your mission? Um, the core At the core of Agents for Agency is the idea where teachers reflect on their own practice and pedagogy first before they start to implement and promote student agency. Um, I think sometimes it can be kind of misunderstood that agency only comes from students which it doesn't because at the end of the day we are the facilitators that will help raise their voice so if we can provide them and connect with them and develop relationships with them their voice uh, will be greater and the choices they make will be much smarter That is such a profound takeaway, I think, Evo, that yes, on the one hand, students are ready, they're willing to take more agency and ownership over their learning, but we remain the facilitators of that classroom environment. As the teacher in the room, we have to take a hard look at our own practice to really ask those tough questions about whether we are giving the voice and choice, whether we are truly empowering the learner. That's powerful stuff. Well, Evo, as you look across your PLN and your own practice, what else is setting you on fire about education today? Um, One of the other things that I'm very passionate about, um, as well as collaboration, I love collaborating with people, is uh, innovation. And um, this this seems to be a term that's quite overused in education and and, and, and everyday society, really. but through 
through my my years of a as as a design teacher that the the meaning of innovation to me is 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 quite functional really and and I've created this this innovation model that really underpins everything that I do in education um this idea of of these four kind of um pillars which are knowledge creativity characteristics innovative characteristics and then developing uh culture so that is that's like really the the main heartbeat of education that i have is innovation and agents for agency has stemmed from that heartbeat that fire of innovation so uh, that would that's definitely the the main driver for me that's very, very cool, Evo. I love the four pillars of innovation. Again, they were knowledge, creativity, characteristics, and culture. Speaking of innovation, I'd be curious to hear who are some of the voices that you look to, that you listen to in terms of what innovation can and should look like in education? Um, I'd say one of the one of my big influences is Tony Wagner. I think his work is awesome. Um there are a bunch of people around the world who who um, talk about and 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 tag innovation into their work. Um, we have I've got a couple of people in the uh, Far East. Um, uh, Ryan's uh, one of the guys. I can't pronounce his surname, but uh, he he's really big on innovation. Uses a lot of tech. Um, Craig Kemp's very big as well. These are guys all. Um, around the Far East area, uh, Adam Hill. And then if I come over across to um, the Middle East, uh, I've got quite a few people, Kieran Kelly, Steve Bambry is a big one. He's very big on VR as well. Um, um, Neil Oates is also quite a big influencer of mine. Uh, very key people, really. They're, they're, they're really good at what they do. Uh, there's a lot of them. I can't. I can't seem to pick them all out. Um, and then over in the states, again, uh, a lot of people using um, innovation in education. There's a lot of people who are Microsoft educators and and Google educators as well. I don't know as many personally because I haven't spent that step spent that much time there. Hopefully, I will do in the future. Um, but there's a lot of movers and shakers in the states. Um, it were doing some great work. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's a big kudos to them because they're helping to move education forward. Well, thank you for those recommendations, Evo. I look forward to connecting with several of the individuals that you mentioned there. Some of the names and voices that I've really come to appreciate in this whole innovation space lately have included people like John Spencer and A.J. Giuliani. And of course, George Kuros co-authored a book along with Katie Novak called Innovate Inside the Box. And really, that is exactly what you're doing, isn't it, in terms of this conference or series of conferences. You've got these resource constraints, let's say. You're, you're not allowed, you're not able to meet physically as you planned. You are severely limited in that respect. And so you are moving into innovation and improvisation. And, and that's the sort of thinking that we want from our students as well. And then something that has been coming from John Spencer, I listened to his podcast and he's been talking about, hey, innovative thinking can come out of our use of vintage resources, out of analog resources, right? And I think sometimes we get stuck on this idea, this notion that 
for something to be innovative, it's got to be the latest and greatest. It's got to be the newest digital application. And certainly it's not to say those those things cannot generate innovation. They certainly can, but they are no guarantee. And sometimes the very best innovation we see comes from situations where we are severely limited, we're restricted in terms of our options. And that's where we see that creative thinking come through and that, that innovation. Yeah, I, hopefully I'll catch up with these guys when I go to the States. They are some awesome people. And I'll second that. I would love to meet them as well. Evo, as you look ahead to the next 12 months, what is next for you in terms of your own professional growth and practice? I think. Um, for me, I improve my practice a lot through my PLN, um, learning from others, listening to others, um, and vehicles like Innovation X and Agents for Agency enable me to directly connect to people on an interactive level. Um, in regards to the next 12 months, um, I would absolutely love um, the agency network to grow and to continue to inspire people not just in the in the u.s but um across the world um and then also connecting with some of the you know the thought leaders in in with innovation to see how my innovation model my innovation x model can expand itself so again trying to inspire as many educators as possible to um think forwardly think with how they approach education and provide them with tools high-tech or vintage or traditional methods that keep them in the classroom inspiring our students so they can become the innovators of tomorrow i think it's such a great point that as you invest in these movements whether it be agents for agency or innovation x you can't help but build valuable relationships across the PLN, across the globe, really, that provoke your thinking, inspire your practice, push you on to bigger and better things. And that's one of the reasons why I love this educational podcasting space. I mean, each week I sit down with phenomenal educators like yourself, and my thinking is constantly pushed in different directions. And I just don't have that opportunity to sit back and coast. And I think that is a phenomenal advantage, a phenomenal benefit of creating content and offering value and developing initiatives like the ones that you are a part of. Evo, outside of education, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions when you leave the classroom and the education space and brings you alive as a human being? So... I've always been quite a, a positive person. Um, I connect with many things, um, and it's been maybe over the past 12 months or so that some of my friends have said, why don't you use some of these passions to motivate others? And you do it through conversations in your own personal network anyway. Um, but I took it a step further on the 1st of January and started my first well, my proper Instagram page called Project Decade um, to feed through the passions that I have about motivating others to lead a better life. Um, Project Decade is all about promoting the work that I do, daily um, inspirations, daily thoughts that I have um, around four pillars. Find your inspiration, find your passion, find your places and find your people. 
And the whole idea being if we stay in touch with those four on a daily on a daily level, um, we should continue to find ourselves. And if we can do that, that should, from from my point of view, help people live much more positive lives. Um, so yeah, over the next decade, I'm hoping to give as much to that message and 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 strengthen that message through my own experiences um, as possible. I, I met with a thought leader a couple of weeks ago, actually, who asked me a, a very direct question about the first two pillars. And he said, what's the difference between inspiration and passion? <laughs> uh, which I knew I knew I'd get people to ask me that. I knew I knew people would be curious. And I and I responded very clearly and I said, you know, Jay-Z is one of my inspirations, but Jay-Z is not one of my passions. So uh, the inspirations can be passions and they all link really, you know. But they can also be very separate as well. What a perfect illustration of the distinction between inspiration and passion. Love it. Evo, share about a personal habit or productivity hack that contributes to your success. Is there some sort of app or routine that really helps you get it all done? It is actually quite difficult. And it, and it's certainly something, Tim, that I've learned to build up over time. Um, I am not a person who has a very healthy uh, daily routine. I have to, I need to actually change it, to be honest, because it's, it's kind of all over the place. I I wake up to get to school. I don't eat as well as I should. Um, I eat quite irregularly. Um, I drink a lot more than I do, uh, um, water than I used to, which is good. Uh, I sleep very late, uh, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. sometimes, which, again, isn't very good. Um, so those habits need to change. But in regards to working, the work balance of the passion projects, um, I tried. And I really did. A few years ago, I tried the whole, once you get back from work, have something to eat, sit down for two hours and dedicate your time to, you know, working on your passion projects, which is what quite a few people give you advice for. And it just didn't work for me. I just found that I was constantly getting fed up with myself. I was like, give yourself a bit of a break. So what I've managed to do, I call it the hybrid worker, which is, after school, catch up with the kids, put them to sleep, grab something to eat, and my laptop with my my work is in front of me as I'm spending time with my wife, and as we're watching Netflix. Funnily enough, she, more than likely she's going to be on her laptop as well, just due to the nature of her of her work. And what it allows me to do, Tim, is it allows me to work as and when I want to, because at the end of the day. It, on certain nights, if I don't want to work, I, I shouldn't have to. I'm managing my own time. And the pressures that you can sometimes put on yourselves can actually send you off. That can send you off on a tangent. And I don't want to lose myself. I love what I do. But I need to maintain a balance where at the end of the night, I don't feel that I haven't given myself a mental break. You know, I don't feel at the end of the week that I've lost myself and, 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 and I haven't spent time with my kids. But I'd say every evening, that hybrid worker, it's given me about 90 minutes of progress. I probably have my laptop in front of me for about three and a half hours. 
but for about 90 minutes, I'm getting stuff done on and off. And that's okay. I'm happy with that. An extra 90 minutes a day, that's cool at the level that I'm at now. So that's why I would, that's the advice I would give to people if you're working on stuff. Try not to kill yourself over it. At the end of the day, there's always tomorrow, there's always the day after. Your work will get done, you will achieve your goals, but you've also got to live a life. You've also got to maintain a, a level of well being. So, yeah, just make sure you take care of yourself as you're, as you're trying to develop professionally and personally. Can I just say, I really like the way you explain that, Evo. I mean, we hear so much pressure about be present, be fully present in the space. And certainly there is a place for disconnecting and simply being in a space with loved ones and with other people that we relate with. But you know, you're taking that pragmatic approach to say sometimes at the end of the day, maybe the best medicine or the best solution, the best choice is to sit down on the couch, in your case, beside your wife, beside your partner, and you've each got your laptops open and you've got Netflix or whatever on the screen. And it, no, it's not the most productive space and it's maybe not the purest relational space, but you're in that space together, you're chilling, you're relaxing, you're enjoying each other's company and you're chipping away a little bit at those passion projects and all of it together maybe is the best medicine at the end of a day or at the end of some of your days. And why not? I mean, why can't there be a place for that? And, you know, we're not calling it multitasking. We've all heard it's task switching and that's fine. I mean, you're recognizing that, yeah, out of that three and a half hours, maybe it is just 90 minutes of productivity. And, and uh, that's totally fine. Why can't we be okay with that? All right, Evo, it is time for your quick picks. And here we want to know the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So starting at Twitter, tell us about someone we should follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Um, you know, I can't be a someone, Tim. Because there's just, you know, I've been using Twitter. This is for anyone out there, whether you use Twitter or not. I've been active on Twitter for 18 months. And when I started using Twitter, I think I had about 400 followers. I didn't even really understand what it was for. I And then I've started to develop connections who networked and so on and so forth. And I would say 18 months later, my Twitter is busier than my WhatsApp. Like it's literally got more messages. There's more connections. There's more friends almost in that regard that I have in that digital space than I have on my WhatsApp, which is in my real space. Um, so it's hard for me to, to, to particularly point out a person because as I've managed to collaborate on my projects, I mean, all of the lead agents Every single one of them. I'm going to try and not miss anybody out. Let's hit this. Uh, Kelly Barry, um, Vernon Wright, Courtney Jones, Barbara Bray, uh, Chris Quinn, Walter Greeson, Jenny Makin, uh, Laura Brower, uh, Chris Wilson, Adam Hill. I mean, these guys are just on a daily basis are constantly inspiring me just with the stuff they do and the suggestions they make to me on and off Twitter, and then the crazy PLN who are just mental anyway. That's that's another 20-odd people in there. 
And then there's a, a, a collab UAE PLN um, who are including some of the guys I've just mentioned before. Um, there's about another 20 people in there. There's a new network that I seem to be developing in the new, in the UK as well. Uh, so I, I would just say um, probably the, the hashtags to follow rather than people in particular to me are hashtag crazy PLN, hashtag agents for agency. Uh, are two of the main ones. You've got a bunch of crazy, inspiring, motivated game changers um, who are linked to, to to those hashtags. All right. As we mentioned at the top, those are two great hashtags to follow and get connected with. So keep an eye out for Crazy PLN and Agents for Agency. Next up, Evo, point us to an EdTech tool that is doing great things for you in your personal or professional practice. I mean, I, I'm going to go back to what you were saying about vintage and keeping things simple. Uh, we have access in our school to 3D printers and CAD software and machinery. But honestly, the power to move things forward in the classroom and in the professional workspace is collaboration. And I find at the moment we have access to G Suite in our school and it's just so good. Uh, it is it is very basic in that regard, in the sense of, yes, it has new features and there's a bunch of crazy stuff you can do with it, but anybody can pick it up. Um, it allows people to collaborate on multiple platforms. Um, great for kids, great for monitoring students through Google Classroom. Um, it is probably the number one tool I would ask someone to use in a classroom. Um, if they have access to the internet and digital devices. Um, it's just great. Really, really engaging, um, dynamic. Yeah. I 100% agree with everything you just said. Next, Evo, recommend a book. Tell us about one that you've been reading lately or perhaps one of your all-time faves that was deeply influential on your thinking. Okay, so Tim, I am not a big reader. I do have to say that. I'm just going to hold my hand up and say that. It's not that I don't like reading. It's uh, I just seem to have so many things going on and I'm trying to just create so much stuff. Um, but one of the books that I did read, which is a very short and very easy read that one of my friends bought me um, a few years back is by Richard Branson. It's called Screw It, Let's Do It. And it's the whole emphasis and it's, deeply influenced my my personal culture is the idea where if you're faced with a challenge literally go big or go home and he always goes big and it has made me go you know what this guy look at where this guy is like this guy's come from nothing and he is one of the most influential entrepreneurs he is so humble with his cause um, he's he, he, there's like no ego to him. You just there's nothing I can say about Richard Branson more than than just I just admire him. And this book is it kind of has short stories about how he he progressed during his childhood. Some of the things that his parents kind of challenges that his parents gave him that changed the way he thought thought about life, and then some of the personal uh, challenges that he faced and decisions he's made. Um, I would. I would recommend this book, Screw It, Let's Do It, by Richard Branson. 
It's a very short, easy read to anyone, anyone who wants to develop their mindset. It is just brilliant. It really is. I am not familiar with that title, Evo, but I like the sound of it. Screw it. Let's do it. (laughs) And, you know, it falls right in line with the message in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, where she talks about the fear of uncertain outcomes that prevent so many of us from creating content and sharing ideas and pursuing our dreams. And I think learners at all ages and stages can benefit from that message. My last two questions both have to do with video, Evo. First of all, we'll head over to YouTube. Tell us about one of your go-to channels there and tell us why we should subscribe. Um, uh, YouTube's an odd one to me because I don't, I'm not a big, I'm not a big YouTube user in regards to subscribing to channels. I just, I almost use it as a resource library. Um, so I only, I go on YouTube when I'm looking for something. So it, um, some of my passions include Liverpool Football Club, football, cars, and 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 uh, the automotive industry, technology, travel, movies. Um, so it's not necessarily a channel; it's just the resource of YouTube. Um, the last thing I probably watched on YouTube uh, was the, <laughs> the the highlights of the Liverpool Bournemouth game. Um, that's just taken place. Um, so they, they beat Bournemouth 2-1. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's a great resource. And I, and I say that to students as well. If they're ever stuck for a answer, just type it into YouTube. It'll give you a, it'll give you a bunch of them. YouTube is such a powerful resource and it really has become something of a search engine. Yes. You know, I was talking yes. recently to some educators about just the fact that particularly as we sort out all of this business around remote learning and educators are are trying to pick up new tools and applications before we send off those distress tickets to our school IT departments, just hop onto YouTube. Now you mentioned Liverpool as one of your frequent searches. Is that where you hail from originally in the UK? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm from, I'm from the Wirral, which is on the other side of the water. So Merseyside, uh, is my area, which which includes Liverpool and the Wirral. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. Famous for the Beatles as well. If anybody knows the Beatles, that band is not familiar to me at all. Never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my very last question for you, Evo, is strictly non-educational, just for fun. And I think this is particularly relevant as we all spend more time cooped up at home than we would like. What are you watching on Netflix these days? Uh, so um, my, myself and my wife have very different tastes in uh, what we like to watch on Netflix. Uh, she is currently, she has been watching um, uh, Love is Blind. There was a season called Love is Blind. And, and, I, and I did actually watch that with her. So I'm going to put my hand up. And it was actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, and then when I get a bit of my own time at the moment, I've, I've managed to grab a bit of time to myself. And I'm watching um, Drive to Survive Series 2, which is all about Formula One. And it, each episode links to a Formula One team and their struggles their successes and struggles that they face during a Formula One season. And again, it's a great 
kind of um it's a great way to learn just how people at the at a top level deal with stress and deal with failure um and 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 again big takeaways for someone like me because whilst I'm dealing with thousands of dollars these guys are dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> so um yeah it really makes you realize the perspective that you're you're in and the space you're in um and yeah it's it's again even if you're not into formula 1 great series to watch for anybody who wants to develop their their growth mindset because it's just it's just cool the insights that you learn very much so you know i don't think of myself as a big car racing fan but when you talk about growth mindset applications you've got me interested so i may have to check out that series and add it to my netflix list Evo, for anyone interested in Agents for Agency, Project Decade, Innovation X, and all of the message that you bring to the education conversation, what are the best ways for them to connect with you and find out more? Um, okay, so for anyone out there who's interested in learning more about what I do or interested in connecting with me, uh, the first place I would visit is my website, uh, evohanan.com. Um, which has a bunch of things and obviously a contact form as well. Um, Please follow me on Twitter at Evo underscore Hanan um, or on Instagram if you use Instagram at project.decade. I love connecting with educators and people in general, so please feel free to reach out to me. It would be great to connect with you. Sounds good, Evo. Again, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with the podcast today. This is yet another case where I am simply so grateful for the power of technology and simply the age that we live in that allows us to connect around the planet in real time. It's so good to put a voice to a Twitter handle <laughs> and uh, and find out more about what you are all about Take care, my friend. Stay safe. Keep learning. Best of luck with Agents of Agency. And let's keep in touch. Tim, thank you very much for this opportunity to share my story. Um, I've I've found this very much a a learning experience as well. Um, I will look forward to meeting you, sir. Hopefully when everything calms down with this health crisis and I make my way over to the States, Let's, uh, let me treat you to a Starbucks. How about that? Does that sound good? You just said the magic word, Evo. I look forward to it whenever and wherever it happens. And until then, again, take care and stay safe. You too. Absolutely. All the best, sir. Take care. Before we sign off today, I'd like to share some highlights from around the Teachers on Fire nation this week. Our first stop is on Twitter, where in response to my blog post, Ohana, a Hawaiian prescription for education communities, Michael Buist at Buist Bunch tweeted a quote from my post. So I'm sort of reading my own words here. He quotes, even in the midst of our struggle, let's remember to laugh. Let's savor the lighter moments. Let's share the medicine of the heart by Tim Cavey at Teachers on Fire. Well, thank you kindly for that, Michael Buist. I visited your YouTube channel and I love the greeting you gave your students. I'm now subscribed and I'm thankful that we are connected on Twitter as well. Appreciate that encouragement. 
next over on Instagram after I shared a graphic titled Tips for Successful Virtual Meetings with Google Meet, courtesy of at Carly Moura Gonzalez, at Ditch That Textbook, and at Noun Project, Jonathan Kung at Cool Putty Tat wrote, quote, Thanks. I've been spending some time looking into this as well, but this is very handy, end quote. Well, thank you for that, John. And you're not the only one. My school is moving into Google Meet. I start with my students Monday morning, 9 a.m. And so graphics like these that really help orient students and understand proper etiquette and expectations are super helpful. Thank you again to Carly and Matt and the Noun Project for putting that together. Next on LinkedIn, in response to that same blog post, a Hawaiian prescription for education communities, Sonia Noriega wrote, quote, I read your Ohana post. Beautiful reminders of what we can be. My sister and brother were the professional teachers. My 43-year career was as a med lab technologist in between, I did get to teach some PhD folks about our computerized chemistry systems. I just want to say that your writing was amazing. Hopefully many will read and get excited about your Ohana, end quote. Well, Sonia, that was so sweet and heartfelt and seriously, that made my day. So thank you so much for commenting. I don't know if you will see this shout out when it shows up on LinkedIn. I sincerely hope that you do. And I'm glad we're connected as well. And to all who have read, viewed, liked, retweeted, commented, or replied to my content on any of these platforms, thank you. You are the fuel to my fire, and I so appreciate your support. Once in a while, I run polls on Twitter, and I did one this week that I think you'll be interested in. I tweeted, I'm curious, teachers. Do you plan to share your phone number with the parents of your students? Justify your position. Well, that question got 371 votes, either yes or no. And the final results were, drum roll, <laughs> Yes, the yes vote got 20.2% of the vote. The no vote got 79.8% of the vote. It's an interesting question, right? Do you share your phone number? I think most of us fall to that no category. I wondered if as the teacher's role is evolving in the current crisis, I wondered if that point of access might change but it seems like most teachers are a firm no or a hard pass on that one. Over at the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium this week, there were more great pieces written and I have to tell you, we continue to break records for minutes spent on the magazine. So I'm so thankful for these incredible writers. Lynn Thomas wrote two pieces, one called You is for Unhappy, Not Anymore and another piece called V is for Village. And if you can't tell, Lynn is writing her way through the alphabet. Lynn, you're getting close to the end and I'm loving the applications and thoughts you're drawing out from each of these letters as you make your way through. Kelly Christofferson published Together We Can Overcome, Find Your People, Stop, Watch, and Listen three separate pieces on the magazine this week. Mark Horner wrote, Finish the Race. Debbie Tannenbaum published A New Normal, 
and teacher Tom Hobson wrote How We Are Teaching Children to Hate Reading. Bit of a controversial title, and I have to tell you, that article absolutely blew up. So if you are a proponent of childhood play and learning through play, make sure you check out his piece, How We Are Teaching Children to Hate Reading. All great stuff, and, and I have to say, once again, I am so inspired to look through these pieces. If you're wondering how you can find the Teachers on Fire magazine, well, you'll find it on Medium. Medium is accessed at medium.com or on the Medium app. If you'd like to join our writing team there, your first step is to create a Medium account using your Google credentials. Message Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for more details. Speaking of blogging, check out the Teacher Blogs podcast where you can hear blogs read aloud by their authors. Recent posts have come from Lynn Thomas, Debbie Tannenbaum, and Erica Terry, and your voice could be next. Reach out to me on any social media platform for more details on that. Again, that's the Teacher Blogs podcast. Well, I will leave you with this quote from my reading, Teachers on Fire. It's from a book that you've probably heard of called Dare to Lead by Brené Brown, at Brené Brown. And she writes, quote, The only thing I know for sure after all of this research is that if you're going to dare greatly, you're going to get your ass kicked at some point, end quote. And she tends to be a little colorful, but it's true, isn't it? That if you dare, if you stick your proverbial nose out, <laughs> if you take those risks, then you're going to take a beating sometimes. And that's just a fact of life. But we press on, educators. We move on and we continue to do what we do. And that's what the current coronavirus crisis calls from us. I'm sure you'd agree. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the content you heard from Evo Hanan ignited your thinking and inspired your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care and stay safe.